Welcome to Music History Monday for March 7th, 2022. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Unexpected Warblers. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. Before we go forth to encounter the unexpected, a quick birthday greeting to the wonderful Maurice Ravel, who was born in the southern French municipality of Cibourg on March 7, 1875, 147 years ago today. I would direct you to my Music History Monday post of December 28, 2020, a post that celebrated Ravel's life on the anniversary of his death on December 28, 1937, at the age of 62. Happy birthday, maestro. Unexpected warblers. About my choice of topic for today. Three weeks ago, on February 14th, St. Valentine's Day, I ran a post featuring some of the most horrific love songs ever recorded. Then, last Thursday, on February 24th, a date that now joins December 7, 1941, for its infamy due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, I ran a post entitled, Phyllis Diller, Concert Pianist, Who Knew? A post that celebrated the unexpected keyboard talents of Ms. Phyllis Diller, 1917-2012. to Today's Music History Monday combines aspects of both of those posts as it explores what happens when movie actors not known for being singers actually sing on film. As you might expect, the results are mixed. Some of these good people will, in fact, actually surprise us in a good way, and some of them will embarrass themselves and countless future generations of their issue with performances fully as awful as anything we sampled on February 14th past. And we're off. On March 7th, 1970, 52 years ago today, the actor Lee Marvin's rendition of the song Wandering Star hit number one on the singles chart in the UK. It remained there for an astonishing three weeks. Lee Marvin? That Lee Marvin? Yes, indeed, that Lee Marvin, 1924 to 1987. He made his acting career playing hard-boiled, crusty tough guys on both the small and large screen. He was a tough guy in real life as well. As a corporal in the 4th Marine Division during World War II, he was severely wounded in action on June 18, 1944, during the Battle of Saipan. He spent over a year in various naval hospitals before being given a medical discharge. He was buried with full military honors at Arlington National Cemetery. In 1969, 
Marvin starred as the hard-boiled, crusty, tough guy prospector Ben Rumson in the movie version of the musical Paint Your Wagon by Alan J. Lerner and Frederick Lowe. Marvin's performance of Wandering Star, if we might charitably call it a performance at all, might best be characterized as an extended grunt slash mumble. If there wasn't a men's chorus singing along with him in the background, we'd be hard put to hear a single clear note or recognize more than a word or two. For those of us who are actually interested in the words, here are the first five lines of the song. I was born under a wandering star. I was born under a wandering star. Wheels are made for rolling, mules are made to pack. I've never seen a sight that didn't look better looking back. A link to Mr. Marvin's rendition is provided. Our message to Lee Marvin vis-a-vis -vis his singing. Dude, whatever else you do, do not quit your day gig. And here's a crazy factoid. The recording of Marvin's performance of Wandering Star kept the Beatles' final single, Let It Be, from climbing to number one on the English charts. That just hurts. While we're talking about Paint Your Wagon, we'd observe that Marvin's co-star, Clint Eastwood, also sings in the movie. We will acknowledge that he gives the singing thing his best shot and actually gets close to singing some of his notes. Unfortunately, as the cliché goes, close only counts in horseshoes and atom bombs. The linked song is Eastwood's performance of I Talk to the Trees. If the trees could talk back, we suspect they'd be asking him to stop singing. Vocal Ghosting at the Movies It was standard operating procedure in the movie musicals of the 1950s and 1960s to replace Broadway performers who could sing with Hollywood stars who could not sing but who had big box office draw. As often as not, when this was done, that movie star's voice was dubbed with that of a professional singer. For example, in the Broadway show The King and I, 1951, the part of Anna was played by the English actress, singer, and dancer Gertrude Lawrence, 1898-1952. Despite the fact that Lawrence won the Tony Award for Best Actress for her portrayal of Anna, she was bypassed for the role in the movie version, which was released in 1956. Anna was played instead by the much younger and more bankable film star Deborah Carr, 1921-2007. As Deborah Carr could not sing, her songs were all dubbed by Marnie Nixon, 1930-2016. Another example. In the Broadway show, My Fair Lady, which opened in 1956, the role of Eliza Doolittle was played by the then unknown Julie Andrews, 
born 1935. Despite the fact that My Fair Lady won seven Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Andrews was bypassed for the role in the movie version, which was released in 1964. In the movie, Eliza Doolittle was played by Audrey Hepburn, 1929-1993. As Audrey Hepburn could not sing, her songs were all dubbed by Marnie Nixon. Are we seeing a pattern here? One last example. In the Broadway show West Side Story, which opened in 1957, the role of Maria was played by Carol Lawrence, born 1932. Despite being nominated for a Best Actress Tony in 1958, Carol Lawrence was bypassed for the role of Maria in the movie version of West Side Story, which was released in 1961. Instead, Natalie Wood, 1938 to 1981, played Maria. As Natalie Wood could not sing, her songs were all dubbed by Marnie Nixon. Yes, most definitely a pattern here. Okay, the bigger point. We're not going to hear a whole lot of painfully bad female singers in the movie house. The inherent sexism of dubbing women's but not men's voices will be discussed later in this post. All right, everybody, have your earplugs ready. Marlon Brando, 1924 to 2004, as Sky Masterson in Guys and Dolls, 1955. Would that the mercy of dubbing songs have been extended to Marlon Brando, who played the role of Sky Masterson, a debonair professional gambler, in the movie version of Guys and Dolls, released in 1955. The Broadway show, which opened in 1950, had featured in the role of Sky Masterson, Robert Alda, born Alfonso Giuseppe Giovanni Roberto D'Abruzzo, 1914-1986, the father of actor Alan Alda. But the geniuses who made the movie of Guys and Dolls decided that outside of Broadway, Alda was an unknown. So they hired a well-known leading man and actually allowed him to sing his own songs, Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando as a song and dance man in a musical comedy? Okay, okay, he almost pulls it off though his light, reedy, slightly lispy voice is the vocal equivalent to Steve Buscemi's face. Funny looking and funny sounding. Richard Gere, born 1949 as Billy Flynn in Chicago, 2002. We should enjoy the next two singers because Richard Gere and John C. Riley are by far the best male singers we're going to hear in this post. Richard Gere has genuine musical bona fides. He is a songwriter, singer, piano player, and a dancer. Though aside from a brief bit of piano playing in the movie Pretty Woman, his musical abilities were not put on major display in his film career, at least not until the movie version of Chicago. Gear 
plays a shyster defense lawyer named Billy Flynn. And to my eye and ear, he is outstanding. In the clip linked to this post, he is explaining to his new client, Roxy Hart, played by Renee Zellweger, how he intends to conduct her defense. She murdered her lover. For your information, the movie unfolds in two parallel storylines. The first reflects reality, and the second, Roxy's whacked out mind, in which she sees everything around her as being part of a nightclub show. John C. Riley, born 1965, as Amos Hart in Chicago. I will confess to being a fan of movie musicals, and Chicago is my favorite hands down. Along with Gear and Zellweger, it stars Catherine Zeta-Jones, Queen Latifah, Christine Baranski, and Tay Diggs, all of whom deliver first-rate musical performances. But for me, the show is stolen by the unlikely figure of John C. Riley, born 1965, who plays Roxy's naive, cuckolded husband, Amos Hart. His big number is called Cellophane, and he absolutely kills it. The opening is linked. For what it's worth, Chicago won six Academy Awards in 2003, including Best Picture. Warbler's rather less successful. Rather less successful, well, K then, often cringeworthy, are the following unexpected and perhaps unwanted musical performances by a bevy of well-known actors. Pierce Brosnan, born 1953, as Sam Carmichael in Mamma Mia, 2008. Can anyone forget, much as we wish we could, the singing of Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia? An example is linked. Russell Crowe, born 1964, as Inspector Javert, Les Miserables, 2012. Then there's Russell Crowe's performance as Inspector Javert in Les Mis, the worst bit of casting since John Wayne played Genghis Khan in The Conqueror of 1956. The scene linked to this podcast features Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman, who, as I trust we all know, is a first-rate song and dance man. Jackman's presence in the scene makes Crowe's shortcomings as a singer all the more glaring. Please, while watching and listening to the warblings of Crowe, do not give in to the temptation to simultaneously drive ice picks through both your ears. Don't do it, please. Walter Matthau, 1920 to 2000, as Horace Vandergilder in Hello Dolly, 1969. Oh, do you still have those ice picks? We are going to listen to Matthau's slash Vandergilder's rendition of the song, It Takes a Woman. The words of the song are indeed vile by today's standards. However, 
we must remember that while Matthau's character, Horace Vandergelder, is paying the matchmaker Dolly Levy, played by Barbara Streisand, to find him a wife, what he's really looking for is a live-in housekeeper. Here's the first verse of It Takes a Woman. It takes a woman all powdered and pink to joyously clean out the drain in the sink. And it takes an angel with long golden lashes and soft Dresden fingers for dumping the ashes. Mathau's singing voice is the vocal equivalent to the words of the song. Entirely disagreeable. There's a whole lot of sexism going on. Yeah, with the ugly, chauvinistic, it takes a woman ringing in our ears. Let us note another bit of misogyny as this post continues to unfold. As previously observed, when the singing voices of certain leading ladies were deemed inadequate, they were dubbed over. But no one so declared the singing voices of Lee Marvin, Clint Eastwood, Walter Matthau, Pierce Brosnan, or Russell Crowe to be so awful as to be dub-worthy. My takeaway on this? It's okay for men to sing like crap, but not women. What's that all about? Yes, Meryl Streep sings like an angel in Mamma Mia, for example. But what if she didn't? What if she sounded like a female Pierce Brosnan, heaven forbid? Would she have been dubbed? Or would she simply not have been cast in the role? Having said that, there are indeed instances where the singing voice of a female lead sounds just wretched, though such instances are far fewer in number than with men. However, here's a woman who does indeed sing wretchedly. Elizabeth Taylor, 1932 to 2011, as Desiree Armfelt in A Little Night Music, 1977. Alas, Dame Elizabeth Rosemond Taylor, DBE, did nothing to burnish her image with her singing in this absolute stinker of an adaptation. In the linked scene, she sings Send in the Clowns to Len Carew. Throughout the scene, Carew looks as if he should be parked in an exhibit at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum rather than on a soundstage. Could it be that Taylor's singing has simply paralyzed him? Taylor's singing is not just wretched. It is execrable, reminiscent of the sounds made by small trapped mammals anticipating their imminent and painful demise at the claws and teeth of a predator. Nicole Kidman, born 1967, as Satine in Moulin Rouge. 2001. Moulin Rouge is, along with Mamma Mia and Hello Dolly, yet another movie title followed by an exclamation mark. Out of the way, Liz Taylor, because Nicole Kidman can sing. I can find no particular musical training in Kidman's background, but based on what we hear in the movie Moulin Rouge, she has a lovely musical theater type voice. Agreed, this could be thanks to auto-tune technology, but perhaps not. 
That's because Kidman is indeed a tiny bit flat at her high end, though we might charitably attribute this to the advanced tuberculosis her character is suffering. Her performance of Come What May, near the conclusion of the movie, is linked. Missing from this post. Here are a few unexpected warblers I've left out of this post because their competence precludes me from making fun of them. For our information, they all began their careers as song and dance people and or have musical backgrounds. The previously mentioned Hugh Jackman, born 1968, began his career as a cabaret and musical theater performer. Ryan Gosling, born 1980, who was super in La La Land, started his career as a singing Mouseketeer in the Disney Channel's The Mickey Mouse Club. Among his fellow Mouseketeers were Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Justin Timberlake. Edward Norton, born 1969, cut his professional teeth in the musical theater, which explains why he was convincingly able to sing in Woody Allen's one and only musical, Everyone Says I Love You, of 1996. Sasha Baron Cohen, born 1971. Baron Cohen is a cellist and he sings quite well. He can be heard in Les Miserables, released in 2012, and Sweeney Todd, 2007. One final bad one, and then we're out of here. Helena Bonham Carter, born 1966, as Nellie Lovett in Sweeney Todd, 2007. Our final warbler proves that love is not just blind, but deaf as well. There's no other explanation for casting Helena Bonham Carter in a musical other than the fact that this musical movie was directed by her husband, Tim Burton. Helena Bonham Carter's co-star, Johnny Depp, is not much of a singer either, but next to Ms. Bonham Carter, he sounds like freaking Luciano Pavarotti. Linked finally is Ms. Bonham Carter's performance of The Worst Pies in London, sung with what might could very well be the worst voice in London. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.